All this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And at the, end of the 12, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. So a year later, he's walking around. Guys, what's happening is, it's just because God's not working right now in his judgment, just because God's not come down with his wrath, we think God's not coming. And God's still coming. God's judgment's still coming. See, what the world doesn't understand is there's a payday someday. And what the world does, they live like they want to live. And they, those, you, I've heard atheists say that if there's really a God, let them strike me with lightning. And, of course, everybody, you know, moves away from them. And I've never seen lightning strike yet. But it's coming. See, there's coming. I'm about to show you that. And just because a year passes, maybe Nebuchadnezzar kind of, he heard the warning and he was scared. And a year passes from the dream. A year passes from the warning from Daniel. A year passes from all this. And he's kind of got lax. He starts thinking, maybe God doesn't really care. Maybe God is not up there. Maybe God was just kind of playing around. Maybe God wasn't very serious about that. We're going to find out that God is very serious about it. Verse 30. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? So Nebuchadnezzar's walking around very prideful and he's looking at his kingdom and he's Look at what all I've built. Is that word I? That's a talk like Lucifer. That's why Satan talks. I will ascend above the Most High God. I will. There's five I wills there in Isaiah 4. It's I, 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 I. Me, 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 me. That's the generation we're living in, guys. It's all about me. What, what, what have you done for me? What's in it for me? What is all? It's not. And Christianity is all about others. And as he's walking around very prideful, look what all I've done. And he's forgotten about God. He's forgotten that God's behind all this. He's forgotten that God, in the, in the, in the verses before, he tells, Daniel tells him that God sets up who he wants to set up. God puts the men in, the, in, in leadership that God wants in the leadership. Now, guys, y'all not going to want to hear this, but God put Obama in there. God has a reason. And as we sit back and we see how these men are running this country, we see how these men are running this world, we can see everything's getting set up for the Antichrist. God's allowed these men in there so he can... What's all this leading to? To bring back Jesus. That's all it is. It's to bring back... God's plan is to get everything set up so His Son can come back and rule, on, rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. That's what it's all about. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Verse 31. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from me. Woo, a voice comes, a big booming voice and says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. He gets a judgment in a voice like that. Now there's going to be three lessons we can learn from Nebuchadnezzar. And the very first lesson is found there in verse 31. While the word was in the king's mouth. The first lesson we can learn from Nebuchadnezzar is, we're going to be judged for every word that comes out of this mouth. Every word you speak, you're going to have to hold. You're going to be held accountable for it. And there's another thing you know about King Nebuchadnezzar. Says while the word was in the king's mouth, let me tell you something, guys. These words were in his thoughts and in his heart way before they reached his mouth. He was thinking this way. He had these thoughts in his heart of pride, of boasting, of who am I and look at who I am and look how great I am. All this stuff was in his heart way before it reached his mouth. But God waited till it reached his mouth and then judgment was proclaimed. See, while the word was in the king's mouth, that's when he got this judgment proclaimed on him. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus Christ has a lot to say about your mouth. We don't like it, I know that. 
Nobody likes to hear about things about our mouth, amen. The tongue is set on fire of hell is what the Bible says. I can look back at all the mistakes I've made in my life and 99% of them started with my big, fat mouth. Saying things I shouldn't say. Brother Paul, one of the first things Brother Paul taught us was what we're saying to our kids, amen. amen. What did he tell us? Stop calling it a story. Call the Noah's account a historical event. When you use the word historical, those words have power, guys. And when you use words like it's historical, it's history, it's an event that took place in time. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just some story somebody made up. It's an event. So words have power. And that's one of the first things Brother Paul was trying to teach us this morning. Guys, be careful what comes out of your mouth. And you're going to see here in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus Christ is going to tell you the same thing. Look at verse 34. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Oh, generation of vipers. <laughs> I love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know why I love the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Because he's nothing like what they try to make him out on TV. Jesus Christ was a man's man. He walked around like a man. That's what I don't like is when they make him on TV and it's like he has a, like he has a flower in his hair, like he's a hippie or something, and he's walking around tiptoeing and the butterflies kissing the morning dew. And it's love, 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 love. And you, you get to reading your Bible, which I encourage you to do. Read your Bible and you'll see the real Jesus. Amen. Oh, generation of vipers. That's not a very sweet thing to say, Lord. But he said it. How can ye, being evil... Jesus called somebody evil? Yeah, he calls you evil. How ye can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know, I don't have to hang around a man very long and listen to him talk, and I can find out what he loves. You get around men, and I was out hunting, and I was doing this, and I had the gun, and I had a, a, a 308, and I had the scope lined up, and you don't take long to find out that man loves hunting. Or you get around a man, it's like, I was watching the Rangers or the Cowboys, and they threw that touchdown, and they're talking about sports. He found that man loves sports. That's what's in his heart. But you get around a man, and he's like, Jesus this, and Lord this, and the Lord blessed us with rain, and I can't wait to get back to church. And I was reading my Bible yesterday morning, and where's his heart at? Full of the Lord. Amen. His heart's on the Lord. Where's your heart at this morning? If you was to rewind what you've said the last week, what do you think you've talked most about? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Look at, keep your finger there, but look at Matthew 15. Look, Jesus says a little more about this in Matthew 15. Matthew 15, 17. Ooh, wee, it's getting kind of quiet in here. Everybody afraid to speak now? <laughs> they asked a little kid about his little baby brother. Say, can your little baby brother talk? And the kid said, why should he? He gets everything he wants by hollering. <laughs> Amen. We were at a flea market in Stephenville. We were walking around this flea, in, indoor flea market, and we heard this kid over there going, wah, wah, wah. And I'm not exaggerating. That's how he sounded. Wah, wah. I was like, man, somebody's beating that kid with a belt or something. It, what? They're just pushing it around. And the parents are walking around like the kid wasn't doing nothing. Like, doo, doo, doo. And the kid was going, wah, wah. You know? And I heard these people say, shut that kid up, you know. All these people that don't believe in spanking, all of a sudden they believe in spanking, amen. Yeah, yeah amen. Look at uh, verse uh, 17, Matthew 15, 17. Do not ye understand, this is our Savior speaking, this is Jesus Christ. Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought. Whatever you're putting in your mouth goes down into the sewer. Then why is everybody so concerned about what they're putting in their mouth? See, the world's concerned about the, what's going in the mouth. 
You see people at the stores and they'll have glasses on like me and they'll have their glasses off or they'll have the reading glasses. They're looking at that label. Make sure what's in there. What's in there? What, what am I going to be putting in my body? And you go to the bookstore and well, y'all know this. There's a million books on how to diet. Amen. What to eat, what not to eat, how to eat it, when to eat it, what should you eat. And there's all kinds of diets and there's all kinds of books on dieting. But the world, they only care about what's going in the mouth. But it's hard to find a book about what's coming out of the mouth. They're always talking about and worried about the input when they should be worrying about the output. Amen. Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out in the drought? Look, but those things which proceed out of the mouth, what you're talking about, guys, what you are talking about, come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Jesus says, you know what you're talking about is what's defiling you. Those words you're speaking is what's defiling you. He gives the explanation of verse 19, for out of the heart... What's in your heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. See, those is, that's sin in its seven basic forms Jesus Christ just described. Right? That's coming out of your heart. See, you're thinking about doing it way before you do it. That's why it's so important to keep your heart in check. Check what you're putting in your heart. Whatever you're watching on TV, that's going right into your heart. Whatever you're listening to on the radio... Or whatever you listen to on your iPod or your iPhone or whatever you're listening to, it's going from here right into your heart. you got to keep that heart in check. Because whatever's in your heart, that's what's going to come out. Verse 20, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. We're so worried about teaching our kids, go wash up before you eat. Go wash up. Go wash your hands. And that's a good thing, amen. That's a good thing. But when's the last time you've taught your kids about what they're saying? I know a lot of y'all do. Because I've heard some of y'all ladies and your mom say, what's your mouth? What's your mouth? What's what you're saying? Don't say that. You know, we have kids and the worst thing you can ever do is call your kids stupid or dumb. Your words have power over that kid. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie straight out of hell. Words will kill you. Adolf Hitler, he killed six million Jews with a tongue. The only bullet we know of that Adolf Hitler fired in World War II, the only bullet he fired in World War II was at his own head. Yet he killed six million Jews. How did he do it, Brother Keegan? With words. With words. They're powerful, guys. Turn back to Matthew 12, please. Turn back to Matthew 12. Back to Matthew 12, verse 34. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man. Out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And the evil man, out of the evil, uh, out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. See, in verse 35, Jesus Christ is saying, if you've got treasure that's good stored up in your heart, you know what's going to come out of your mouth? Good things. But if you're listening to evil things, you're watching evil things, you're thinking about evil things, you've got evil things on your heart, you know what's going to come out of your mouth? Evil things. So you, what you need to do is you need to heart, have a heart full that's full and stored up of good things, good ideas, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. What sort of things are true? What sort of things are pure? Paul told us to think on these things. You got to think on these things. You got to have your mind on the right thing. If you have your mind on the right thing, your heart's on the right thing, Jesus Christ says the right thing's going to come out of your mouth. So what's so important about this, Brother Keegan? <laughs> Look at the very next verse. But I say unto you that every, every, every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment people always talk about there's things I don't like about the Bible and I I talked about last week about that homosexual ripping out pages of Leviticus and everything that's a page right there I'd like to rip out of my Bible but it don't do no good if you rip it out it's still the truth amen 
It's right there. Every idle word. You know what that means? Not just the words you say to me and Brother Paul or you say to your wife or words you're saying to your friends. Those words that you say when you're driving down the road when there's nobody else in the car and somebody cuts you off. You know those sweet words you say like, oh, glory to God. Yeah, Yeah, we know what comes out. God says you're going to be held accountable to that. Y'all should be scared. (laughs) This should frighten you. This should wake you up about what's coming out of your mouth. I'm not saying this. I'm reading to you what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says about your heart and the things that are coming out of your mouth and the things that Nebuchadnezzar was thinking about way before he said, hey, look at this stuff I've done. Look at this great kingdom I've built. And because he let it go to the words into his mouth, the moment it put it to his mouth and came out, God says, you're judged. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Why? For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. How are you justified by your words? It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that Keegan Hall is going to go to heaven. Those words justify me in the sight of God. I'm a wicked sinner and I need Jesus Christ to save me. Lord, will you save me? See how those words are justifying me? And another man might sit over here and say, I don't need God. There is no God. I, I'll just make it my own way. And, we'll t- and Brother Paul could tell you a hundred stories of men he's talked to about the Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And they'll just basically say, I don't need him. And when they stand before God, God's going to play back those words. Here's what you said. You said you don't need him. Yeah, 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 Lord, but uh, I've changed my mind. I do need Jesus Christ. Too late. You're standing before the judge. It's too late. You're already condemned. He that believes in the Son of God is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You're already a walking dead man. You need to make sure your words are justifying. Justifying what you believe. You make sure that your heart's where it's supposed to be. And the words are coming out justifying what your heart believes. You don't want to be condemned, amen. You want to be justified in the eyes of God with your words. All right, back to Daniel chapter 4. I was reading a story about a man. A preacher went to a house and the the father had just passed away and the son was there and the father had just passed away. And the preacher asked the son, uh, did your dad have any last words? And the son said, no, he didn't have any last words. Mom was with him to the end. (laughs) Y'all think about that one for a little while. Y'all think about that one for a little while. There's some people I know if they was to take an x-ray of their jaw, it'd be a moving picture. You know, they can tell, they, now see, I'm about to get myself in trouble. When they dig up these bones, Brother Paul, they can tell when they found a skull and you say, it's amazing how they can tell this is a woman or a female and this is a male. And what they do with the female, they can tell it's a female is they can look on this little part right here on the jaw. It's really wore out right here. <laughs> the only ones laughing are the men. I love my sweet little wife. And y'all, if anybody knows about my sweet wife, but she doesn't talk a whole lot. Amen. That's a real blessing. I'm just joking around. Y'all know I'm joking around, right? I've had people I've had to stop them outside the back of the church and say, I don't think that was right what you said. I'm just joking. Lighten up. You know, lighten up. I mean, don't be so offended. You're getting offended about the wrong things. Lighten up. Church don't have to be, we're not living as Catholics. We don't have to come in here, um, um, um. Let's come in here and let's have a little fun. Lighten up, loosen up. You don't think Jesus Christ walking with 12 men for three years, you don't think they didn't pick on each other? You don't know much about men then. Men, they's always picking on each other. If you're from Texas, if you're from Texas and somebody doesn't pick on you, somebody doesn't pick on you, you're in Texas and somebody don't pick on you, they don't like you. 
I hate to tell you that. You know how you can tell when somebody likes you? They're, from Texas, they're picking on you. Yeah. Amen. You can tell the guys at work that aren't like. Those are guys nobody picks on, nobody makes fun of, nobody jokes around with. They just leave, leave them alone. There's some truth right there for you. Back in Daniel chapter 4, verse 31, let's move right along. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. The second thing you need to understand in this lesson we're going to learn from Nebuchadnezzar is this. There's attitudes you can have. There's attitudes and you can have like pride and rebellion that will drive you to insanity. You can't just live like you want to live and expect there not to be consequences. You can't just live like you want to live and say, I don't need God. I don't want God. and I don't have to take my kids to church. And my kids don't need to be in church. And that's all a bunch of nonsense. You can't live like you want to live and not expect consequences. Because there's a payday coming. There's a payday someday. And what we find out with Nebuchadnezzar is his attitude about pride and rebellion and I do all this stuff for myself. There's a payday someday. And what's crazy to me, we're living in a country that's insane. We look at this country like, just think, just meditate, say, go to all the hospitals, go to all the organizations. They're all Christian. Most of these are Christian organizations that started these hospitals, that started the, the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, all these charitable organizations. They're started by Christians. This country was founded on Christianity. God set this country up through Christians, through Christian principles. And now that we're living as a great country, we're standing up and saying, I don't need God. Take God out of the schools. Take God out of the courtroom. Take God out of our lives. We don't want God. Have you not seen what God done with countries that don't have him in there? You want to go live over in China? I don't hear anybody clamoring to go live over there in Russia. I thought everybody wants to come to America. They do when it was living as a Christian country. But now you're seeing that there's people, more and more people that are turning on, on America. Because it's not the same without God. You can't take God out of your life and have an attitude of, ah, we don't need God. God doesn't do anything for America. America's here because of God. And I'm telling you, there's warnings in the Bible about God. He says he's going to turn all those nations into hell that forget him. That's Psalms chapter 9. Turn the nations into hell that forget him. That's why some of y'all feel like, Man, we're living in America. It's like living in a living hell. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Psalm chapter 9. The third thing you need to know about Nebuchadnezzar and the lesson we learn from Nebuchadnezzar is found in verse 32. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you need to understand this voice. You need to understand that God does what he wants to do and gives this kingdom of who he wants to do, give it to. And he's in control and you're not in control. The third lesson we need to understand is that God can touch your mind and make you go crazy. Amen. You say, why are you saying that, Brother Keegan? Because I'm showing you that God touches, his, touches Nebuchadnezzar's mind and he goes crazy. And we're about to read how crazy he goes. God is in control of everything, and God's so powerful, God can reach down with just one little finger and touch your mind, and that, by that hour, you will be a lunatic. Yeah. Why, why, why are you telling me all this, Brother Keegan? Because you need to have a healthy fear of God. Amen. You need to love God. You need to reverence God as God the Father. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't know God as your Father, you need to have a healthy fear of God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that's all through the Bible. The fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom. Not the fear of Satan. Not the fear of illness. 
not the fear of poverty. All these things that Americans and American Christians are afraid of. They're afraid of be, being sick. They're afraid of being in poverty. They're afraid of Lucifer and the devil. And this. You don't need to be afraid of those things. You need to be afraid of God. God's the one in control. God's the one that can touch your heart. God's the one that can touch your mind and make you go cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. That's who you should be afraid of. And that's the lessons we can learn from Nebuchadnezzar. And remember, this is an open letter to you. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm writing this to everybody in here that y'all know what God done to me so you won't have the same mistakes. <laughs> Are you listening to him? He's just a heathen king. He's a king. Babylon was one of the greatest kingdoms man's ever known. He ruled that kingdom. And he's here to tell you, God will touch your mind and make you go crazy. You better give him the glory. Amen. You better give him the fear. You better give it all to him. Amen. He's the one that controls everything. Verse 33, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claw. When God touched his mind, he went out and he started eating grass and the Bible says that he let his hair grow out and it started getting so wet. It started looking, you've seen people, uh, we call them dreadlocks. Those people that don't wash their hair and it just starts looking, I, I'm going to use the word nappy, hadn't washed their hair. It's all, it starts crusting up. That's Nebuchadnezzar. It says his fingernails grew out like eagle's claws. He started thinking he was an animal, like he was an ox, and he's starting to eat grass. You know that's a medical condition? It's called lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. It's a medical condition where a man or a woman thinks that they're an animal. You say, well, when does that ever happen, Brother Keegan? Well, y'all probably watched movies when you're growing up. Uh, werewolves. That's a man that thinks he's a wolf. That's a disease called lycanthropy. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar struck with. When you tell a generation, when you tell a generation that they're nothing more than an animal, why are you surprised when they act like animals? That's what we've been doing in our school districts. You, you've come from animal. You're nothing more than an animal. That's what Darwin's evolution teaches us. And when you tell a country they're nothing more than animals, don't be surprised when they act like animals. Animals don't have any common sense. You know what I know about animals? They're not ashamed of doing anything in front of people. They do disgusting things in front of people. And they're not ashamed of it. And that's what I think of when I go into Walmart. I go into Walmart. I walk in Walmart. And I see these people. And I'm like, were, were you looking in the mirror before you came in here? I mean, seriously. Did you just jump out of your bed and leave your little house shoes on? And they come in there and it has like a little Tweety Bird house shoes on with, with their pajamas. And they come in there. And I'm like, what are you doing dressed like that walking into public? You're not ashamed of that. You're not embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing the family. You make me blush, you know. You're like an animal. That's the way animals act. They do disgusting things in front of people, and they're not ashamed of it. That's the way animals act. There's another thing I'm going to tell you about animals. I've never seen an animal praying over its food. But I've been in lots of restaurants where I've seen people not praying over their food. Animals don't pray over their food. Then why are we not praying over our food? Are we not better than animals? Shouldn't we be giving God the thanks for the food we have in front of them? Me and my wife will go to restaurants and I try to give a testimony of praying in front of my food and make sure that my head's bowed and I'm praying for my food. You know how often I see somebody else doing that? It's very, very, very rare. It's shame. We're living in a country that act no more better than dogs, mostly. There's a man running from this bear and he's out in the woods and he was looking and that bear was coming, big old grizzly bear. And that man, was, he got scared. He knew he wasn't going to be able to get away from the grizzly bear. And he said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, he started praying, oh, Lord, let this be a Christian bear. Let this be a Christian bear. And he, he fell over the log, and right about that time, that big old grizzly bear got right on me. He raised up his paws. That little that bear took his paws, and he put them together like this. He said, Lord, I pray over this food I'm about to eat. 
is a Christian bear, amen? Have you ever watched a documentary? It's called The Grizzly Man. And I don't really recommend you watch it, but it's a, man about this, it's a documentary about this man who went out and lived with the grizzly bears. And he was protecting these grizzly bears. And he lived with them, and he would take pictures of them. He did this for years and years and years. You know what those grizzly bears did to him to repay him? They ate him. His camera was rolling, and you could hear the audio of him just screaming and yelling and hollering while they were eating him. And they ate his girlfriend, too. That's the way animals are. They're not thankful. They don't care where the next meal is coming from. They're not thankful. Christian, there's one commandment you're supposed to be. It's thankful. You should be thankful for what God's given you. You should be thankful the people who took care of you. You should be thankful for good godly parents if you have them. Amen. Amen. Let's see what happens with Nebuchadnezzar in this close. In verse 34, And at the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. If you're not crazy, if you're not crazy, you're going to bless God, you're going to praise God, and you're going to honor God. And if you don't bless God and honor God and praise God, I'm here to tell you, you're crazy. You're not thinking. Your mind is not right. If you have any kind of mind that's right, you're going to honor God and bless God and praise God. I'm getting that straight out of the Bible. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. Look at verse 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. You're nothing in God's eyes. You know that you're like little ants in God's eyes. But God loves you and died for you to save you. See, God doesn't have to do that. You understand what he's saying. God doesn't have, to you, you're nothing. To, to a God who's a living God who created you, he can do away with you just by the thought, by a breath. But that's not the God we serve. We serve a God of love, of grace. He wants to take you. He wants to cleanse you and wash you. He wants to save you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He cares about you. But understand, he doesn't have to. But he does. That's a great God. That's a great God. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. See, heaven has an army. The army of heaven. Are you enlisted? Are you enlisted in the army? Paul says, be a soldier of Christ. You know you're in a battle, amen. Are you enlisted in this army? I sure hope you are. And among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. Nebuchadnezzar said, I got my reason back. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and, my, and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I established in my kingdom an excellent majesty was added unto me. After about seven years, Nebuchadnezzar came to his senses. And he started thinking straight. He started giving honor and praise and glory to God the Father. And when he did that, they brought him back out. They gave him back his kingdom. They set him back up. This is an amazing story. Nebuchadnezzar wants to tell you in this letter. Now, this is Nebuchadnezzar's letter to you. He wants to close by telling you in verse 37. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. Extol is to exceedingly, excitingly praise something. And he says, this is what you need to know. The king of heaven, that God is a king in heaven. Jesus Christ is a king of kings and Lord of lords. And all whose works are truth, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth. Jesus said about this Bible, sanctify them thy truth, thy word is truth. Nebuchadnezzar wants you to know that God is a king. God is all about truth. And look what it says about God and his ways, judgment. See, God's all about judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. There isn't anybody that God can't knock down and put on their knees. Nobody. I love to hear about these old preachers. I, I like to hear old preachers, and 
uh, I was reading about, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Whitfield or somebody, one of these old preachers, and I think it's Andrew Jackson, one of them came through and they sat at the back of the church and the whole church was stirred up because the President of the United States was in church. And everybody was so excited and that preacher got up there and he said, without Jesus Christ, Andrew Jackson's going to hell. <laughs> That's bold. Darren Walter did the same thing. Prayer breakfast. Obama's sitting here. The Dalai Lama is sitting here. All these other heathens are sitting around him. And Dolly, and, and Daryl Waltrip said, without Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. Yeah. That's what Daryl Waltrip's my hero right now. Yeah. That takes Amen. guts. But we need a world with some Christians with some guts right now. Amen. That's what I know about animals. They're always afraid. We always say, don't roll over and show your belly like a dog when he gets scared. We need some more pit bulls for the Lord. <laughs> Well, they're afraid to come near us. You know, well, I, I would mess with Brother Paul, but I know he's going to just eat me up. And he's not going to physically beat anybody up, amen? But with his mouth, sword, the word of God. We're soldiers. We're not, sitting on the, we're not sitting on the couch. We're supposed to be fighting for Jesus Christ. When's the last time you've stood up for Jesus Christ? When's the last time you've made a fight for Jesus Christ? This is Keegan Hall, the pastor of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Uh, we're just trying to glorify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ in every way we can, and we hope we were a blessing to you. Now, if you're listening, you're not saved, we want you to be saved. That's our deepest prayer. We're doing all this so people can get the gospel message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he died for your sin. And if you're willing to admit you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, if you go to Jesus Christ in prayer and ask Jesus Christ to save you, he'll come in and save you. Now, honestly, I can tell you, when I've done that, Jesus Christ, was the best thing ever happened to me. And if you'd like to contact us, you can contact us through the web at IndianGapBaptist.com. It has all our information, how to get to our church. That's IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time, God bless.